Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward and sponsored by Scott Insurance Services, as well as Michael Keener, attorney at law. Scott Insurance Services is an independent insurance agency located in West Des Moines, Iowa, servicing central Iowa and all surrounding states. They are family owned and are a locally operated business with over 125 years of experience in the insurance services industry, specializing in personal and commercial insurance. They are a good friend of the pod, a huge supporter of soccer in Iowa, and run by Iowa soccer legend, Billy Scott. Michael Keener, attorney at law. Based in Des Moines, Michael's practice includes trial and litigation matters with an emphasis on commercial litigation, personal injury, criminal defense, and issues in the legislature and Iowa's administrative agencies. Michael is a longtime supporter of Kick It Forward and the work it does in Iowa's soccer community. You can reach him at 515-245-4330 or via email at michaelkeener at griefsydney.com. That's M-K-U-E-H-N-E-R at griefsydney.com, G-R-E-F-E-S-I-D-N-E-Y.com. mkeener at griefsydney.com. Michael Keener, attorney at law. This podcast is now distributed on multiple platforms, including Apple Music and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Hi there. I'm Ben Brackett with my good friend Blake Sievers, and we're here to talk soccer. That's right, Ben. All Iowa soccer, all the time. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa soccer supporters. I'm Ben Brackett, your co-host with Blake Sievers, also known as my good friend. Blake, what's up? Hey, Ben, I'm really excited for this new series that we're going to unveil. You know, it's a little different than what we've been doing, but our name of the pod is Soccer Talk, and our description is... We're going to talk about soccer, aren't we? In Iowa, absolutely, Ben. So, without further ado, our newest series is called... The Iowa Club Soccer Tryout Series. So, Ben, that's good. You know, we've had some great conversations with some of these local leaders in Des Moines, in the Des Moines area that run these clubs. So, you know, do you want to give the our audience a little breakdown of kind of how we've come up come upon this and how we're going to release these these pods? Yeah, let's talk about it. So, so tryouts start the week of June 3rd. And so, you know, Youth Soccer um, and ISA has kind of picked that as the, the, the month of June is when that, that happens. So uh, we thought it would be a great idea to talk to all the clubs, let them tell you a little bit about their facilities, tell you a little about their staff, tell you a little bit about um, where they've been and where they're going. Um, and it was, it was pretty cool. It was, Ben, yeah. So, you know, we specifically, you know, we reached out to... We, the, talk, we reached out to everybody, didn't we? We did. We reached out to everybody. You know, we reached out to Ames. We're inclusive here. We are very inclusive. So we reached out to Gary Isles up at Ames Soccer Club. And then uh, also reached out to the the Fusion Soccer Club, which is a formerly known as Soccer West. Uh, we weren't able to connect with them, and we're, unfortunately weren't able to have them on. Uh, GPS Iowa with Andy Cummins were, was uh, gracious enough to give us some of his time, give us a little insight on what their, 
they're doing their little rebranding as well. Yep, and then we're going to talk to Kirk Artist up at the Iowa Rush uh, outside Ankeny. Uh, the Jayhawk Soccer Club we reached out to and unfortunately did not get any response from them. Uh, we also did not get any response from Sporting Iowa, which is um, recently announced their merger between Johnson Urbandale Soccer Club and the West Point Soccer Club. Um, and please note, this is going in alphabetical order. UFA, United Football Academy with Jaime Leva, was able to make some time for us and talk a little bit about his program and kind of the new things they're doing over there. Yeah, and then of course, last but not least, because of course we're doing this in alphabetical order, is the Vision Soccer Academy out of Waukee, and we had a chance to talk to our, uh, our buddy Chris McGill. So uh, super exciting, again, to have all these guys on, and um, I think you'll find... Um, some really interesting opinions and some uh, some unique things. You know, obviously there's a lot of uh, I would say there's a lot of parity in club soccer, um, and you know to an extent there's not a lot of difference between one club and another. But then at the same time, then you know you start talking about the staff, you start talking about the little different things they offer, um, and I think when we were talking about it, um, I thought it was really neat to to sort of shine a light on all these clubs because they're they're doing different things. Um, unique things and some of it some of it's like really kind of innovative and different and really positive right Blake absolutely you know there's a lot of things that we learned and I would say we are you know somewhat connected to the soccer community here in uh in Des Moines and Iowa (laughs) (laughs) but there's things that these clubs are doing that we don't know about so um, if we don't know about it certainly the the general public isn't yeah isn't absolutely and there's it, a so. lot of neat things they're doing and like you said there's uh there's opportunities there's locations they're playing at that that enlighten us and it's uh it's been a good chat with the all uh, with all these these local clubs yeah so as far as format goes just again so that we're uh transparent and fair um we've uh, effectively asked everyone the same questions um, you know, obviously some people communicate differently than others. So sometimes we had to kind of improvise a little bit and, you know, shift things in one part of the conversation or another. But, uh, overall, I think you'll, you'll, uh, you'll hear, uh, five very, uh, similarly structured conversations. Um, and you'll also hear the same intro five times. So if you are listening right now, uh, and you're about to listen to Gary Isles, uh, you should next time when you when you log on you should uh, maybe like to skip the first five minutes but you might also want to just hear the dulcet tones of Blake Sievers and in that case why don't you go ahead and keep listening all right let's get to it Ben <laughs> right on all right we're here with Gary Isles of the Ames Soccer Club Gary how you doing today I'm doing very well awesome thanks for being here uh, we're welcome thanks for the invite absolutely Gary so um you know, Gary, why don't you kind of start us off? You've been around soccer here in Des Moines area in Iowa uh, for quite a few years. You know, probably one of the elder statesmen of the of the community of the state, which is pretty cool um, for us to have you on here. So can you give us just a little story on who you are and, you know, where you came from, how long you've been around, where you've been, what you've done? Just a little, a little preview of who you are um, for all of our listeners. Okay, so yeah, I think my gray hair and receding hairline probably <laughs> gives away that I've been around for a few years now. So, I mean, and Gary, but... we may interrupt you um, for all the listeners. We've had to, uh, we've had multiple attempts to to get you on the pod, and some of your technology um, has uh, your knowledge may not may not be up there with us youngins, huh? Uh, <laughs> maybe I I'm better than Holmesy though. At least I know next. <laughs> I definitely. 
Yeah. So, uh, so no, so I've been, uh, this is my 27th year now in Iowa. Um, I was originally uh, director of coaching at Irvindale Soccer Club, uh, the first DOC there. Um, I was there for uh, approximately 13 years. And then I transitioned into the DOC role at Ames Soccer Club, where I've been here now in my 14th year. Very good. Um, how do you like living up in Ames compared to down, down south here in Des Moines? I, I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a nice area. And certainly if you're into, you know, sports, um, it's a college town. Um, so, you know, having that on our, you know, five minutes away from us to go to basketball, football games, you name it, um, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, so tell us a little bit about the club. Um, I mean, I know it's been been around for a long time, um, but it is, uh, it's probably – uh, ebbed and flowed a little bit as far as its size and I would say probably now it's uh, you know kind of moving in a forward direction uh, in comparison with maybe like 20 years ago yeah so so when I came in um, I actually we were residing in Ames because my work my wife works at Iowa State and so it got to the point where she was doing all the traveling and we decided that I need to do a little bit of traveling uh, for my work so I was probably, we were in Ames for probably about two, two years. Um, and I was still, um, traveling back to Urbandale, uh, to do coaching there. And in that meantime, I got to know some of the people in the club and they'd been without a DOC for about two years. And, uh, their numbers had gone from, I think around about five, 600 players down to about 200 players in that transition. And so, they had a board that was maybe a little bit more forward thinking um, and were looking to get back to the ways that they were as far as um, with a full time DOC. And so really, I was I think it was just being the right place at the right time. And so I interviewed, met the board, uh, discussed their ideas, um, put across what I thought we could do with the program and uh, fortunately got hired. So, uh, you know, I've been DOC now for 14 years. Um, as I said, and then uh, we are back up our numbers around about 650, um, pretty constant. Um, so, you know, we certainly in the first few years, um, we really uh, elevated the program and got the numbers back up. And then we've been pretty consistent um, since then. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking that low of numbers, you know, fair to say probably isn't it, that the club was close to, you know, close to folding with that that few of people that's kind of a scary time when you're th those numbers are that low. Yeah. I think it was a situation where, you know, they, they lost uh, a number of players. I think there, there's a park and rec program in town. Uh, so I think some of the players joined them. Some players joined um, Ankeny at the time before it was Iowa rush um, went there where I think even whole teams kind of left up and left and went. So um, I think it was, you know, reaching that point where they needed to decide which way that, which direction that they were going to go. Very good. Well, it seems like things are moving in a, in a forward positive direction. Uh, talk a little bit about just, you know, the club in general, talk about your facilities, um, your coaching staff, where do you guys play right now? So our complex is the Hunsaker youth sports complex, uh, which is just located off highway 30. So, when you take that first exit into Ames, um, it's just on the south side of Highway 30. Um, it, it's, a, it, it's a nice complex. It could be a really, really nice complex. Um, unfortunately, I think like a lot of uh, sports complexes, we're built in a flood zone. And with all the building that's taken, taken part in, in Ames, 
the city of Ames, particularly on Duff, is uh, we have seen you know more flooding. I think since I've been here, we've had probably four hundred year floods uh, in the time I've been here. So yeah, going back to your uh, old age, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I was going to say, as uh, you know, like outside of my soccer profession, I'm a or profession. My soccer involvement, I'm my profession is in real estate, and so. Uh, I've noticed that with all the facilities, all of our soccer facilities are in flood zones, which as uh, has been more and co- more common. These, the flooding is it's it's becoming a real issue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was out there this morning getting the fields ready. We have some some of our younger teams are playing tomorrow morning and uh, we've got standing water and the I've just got news that the the river, the skunk river is supposed to crest tonight at 10 o'clock and we will. We will um, certainly suffer minor flooding. It won't be as nearly as bad as what we've suffered in the past. But, you know, just kind of from from our perspective, as far as developing the complex, it's, you know, we have to question how much money we want to put into a complex that potentially could flood. Um, sometimes it's nice, you know, the, the, the water does come up quickly and then it goes away pretty quickly. Um, but we've had certain times, um, particularly one, we host the what used to be the Coles Cup, American Cup, um, sure. Target Cup, and we've had years in which I think one year we had to cancel the whole tournament because of the the flooding that we had in the summer. Uh, well, we'll have to start a separate podcast where we talk about climate change. <laughs> we'll have you on as an uh, you know, maybe like an expert. <laughs> expert. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll, we'll talk, talk about your staff a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know a few of the coaches that you guys have, but to be honest, I'm I'm maybe uh maybe less familiar with with your staff than than most around town. Yeah, so um, we have uh, there's myself, and then we have two other full time members. So uh, Damian Corrieri is my assistant director of coaching. He's been with us now for just over five years. Um, he came on uh, originally. He was a uh, when I got here, he was a parent coach with his son uh, when he was about U fives, U six, and so I kind of knew Damien a little bit then. But over the years, we we kind of got to know each other a little bit. Um, I recognized his passion for the sport and also education in particular, and. Um, you can tell my maybe my technology is not as great and Damien's <laughs> technology is very good so I definitely lean on him a lot um, as far as that that uh, resource within the club and then in the last year we hired Scott Wilson who's uh, from Scotland and uh, he is now our technical director for the U5 through U10 age group so it's allowed us in in the last year to more um, you know concentrate on certain areas of the club so that we're not all too spread apart. Um, and then the remaining coaching staff we have are uh, a lot of times it's um, certainly having Iowa State University here has always been a nice resource to um, get some coaches in. And so we have coaches that work with one or two teams that are considered part-time coaches. Very good. Um, so then, you know, the, the other kind of, I don't know if you want to call it like, hot topic that we've been talking about is just kind of walking through um you know your your yearly schedule and how the calendar lays out um you know isa uh, you know obviously pushes things in a certain direction with the spring and the fall programming and with state cup but uh talks a little bit about you know what it looks like you know tryouts are here in a few weeks uh where do you guys go what's your calendar look like from there 
Yeah, so we have tryouts uh, beginning June 3rd, um, and we, we do things a little bit different uh, than the vast majority, if not all of the clubs is. Uh, we only do tryouts for our incoming U11 age group and then for our high school age group, so 15s through 19s. So for our 12s, 13s, and 14s age group, we do not run tryouts. And the, and the reason for that was we, we, in the past, were not really getting too many new players interested in joining the club. And so really we were doing tryouts for the players that had played previously the, on, the, on the team in the fall and the spring season. And so we really felt that it was, you know, doing two one-and-a-half-hour tryout sessions was not going to impact their placement on a team. And, and, and we really, I mean, as far as we call it tryouts, for us it's placement because very yeah. rarely, if at all, do we turn players away. Um, because we just want to keep players involved in, in the in the soccer, in the sport, and we will find places for them. Um, in some age groups, we have different tiers, different levels of teams. Um, so it's really for us is, is placement would be a more appropriate word for us. And so we feel that the 12s through 14s, we've evaluated them over a year. And so hopefully that kind of keeps them on their toes is that they're developing and progressing throughout the year. And that they can't just wait until like a final test at the end of the season to sure. change their grading, if you like. So yeah. um, I like that approach. That's interesting. Uh, what What do you do with it uh, for like a new player that's in you know coming to town or wants to come from another club or something like that? So what they do is they contact me, and then we invite them into our team's current training session. So um, actually, Perfect. this past week uh, that started to happen with a, a number of teams. Uh, like our younger teams are 12s and 13s and we've had players coming in and they train. I let the, the head coaches know of those respective teams and they come sometimes two to three training sessions. And also we feel it's more of a relaxed environment for them. Um, maybe not at first because obviously they're with, with new players, but it is involved in an actual training session versus a tryout. And I, so I think we get a better feel for what they can do as a player and, and also what they're like as a character. Yeah, definitely. I like that approach a lot. I do too. I mean, like you said, Gary, I mean, it's the more realistic approach, right? The kids aren't super nervous. It's not a big deal. They're actually, and the coaches actually run through a proper session with all the kids are able to kind of see the personality kid a little bit better than, Hey, go watch these kids that for a tryout. And um, I do, I like that a lot. So my question would be probably a bigger, question for another day another conversation but how come that uh that method hasn't hasn't um caught absor- on. yeah caught on been absorbed by these other clubs do you, do you have any input on that because I, I again that's interesting i like it a lot well i i think some of it's to do with us geographically where we are because um you know we're surrounded by what you would consider uh, you know recreational community clubs um so sure. we don't have too much you know close competition with other competitive clubs um and so i think that's probably the drawback for for example teams in the in the des moines metro area is that you know do they feel that maybe they're giving up that opportunity to look at other players coming in from other other clubs to to make their teams better i I think that's you know the questions that that they're probably asking yeah understood um still interesting and we still like it uh talk a little bit about just like the you know kind of your curriculum uh it, you know if you guys have sort of like a, a consistent style of play or um you know or is it is it really you know kind of case by case basis and um and then also like 
uh, well, why don't we just leave it at that, actually? Yeah. So, <laughs> so actually, so over the winter, uh, we as a, a full-time staff, so myself, Damien, Scott, um, we did meet about this as far as uh, a curriculum. Previously, we've left it to each individual coach um, comes up with lesson plans based upon their particular team's needs. And so they would um, come up with lesson plans, either using me as a resource to send them, give them lesson plans, or they would look on YouTube or you know websites or past lesson plans that they used. And so that's what we've done previously. And so Damien was really the at the forefront of discussing and pushing for us to go with a uh, curriculum that was across the board, um, you know, for all of our teams. And, you know, I, I was kind of resistant at first, but then I realized, you know, what we do in the winter, we have a winter training program. And within that winter training program, we have a topic um, each night uh, of the week um, for the different age groups. And one of the things I recognized within that is, is that when we would scrimmage, for example, at the end, we would join two groups together is, even if I was coaching a player that had been in the opposite group, I could still tell them the, you know, give them the same keywords, questions, coaching points, because they've been working on the same topic. And so that kind of resonated with me is that that would be good maybe for us to introduce throughout, you know, for example, in the spring season, our 11s through 14s. And then also what's nice about going with a, a standard curriculum is that we have coaches that kind of fill in um, on a given day, you know, whether it be training or particularly in games at weekends. And now when coaches go in with those teams is they can reinforce what we've worked on in training sessions, even though they may not have coached that team during the week is now they know what that team, those players have been working on because everybody's working from, you know, the same hymn sheet, if you like, um, and we do exactly the, the same lesson plans. We do tweak it for, you know, certain age groups and numbers that you're working with. Um, but I've really enjoyed, um, enjoyed doing it. And I think the coaches uh, have enjoyed it because they now don't have to worry about lesson plans. Damien has worked, you know, with all the lesson plans, um, sends those out on a, on a weekly basis. And so we are wa- working from the same curriculum. And then what we're going to do in the fall season is we will continue to do that. Um, but then also um, what we're going to do on one week um, each week is I will be taking a certain group of players. So, for example, it could be outside backs, it could be center backs, or it could be center midfield. And so I will take all the players from the different age groups um, into one session, and then we're going to do more uh, technical, tactical, functional training um, with those players. So, again, you know, it's going to be working off the, the, the same curriculum for all those um, players, and then they'll plug back into their individual teams and take that knowledge with them. Very good. I like that. Well, I, I sort of bottled my previous question, which was tell us about the calendar, and then I, I took you off course. So you've kind of talked about it a little bit, though. So, you know, uh, maybe where we need to fill the gaps in or, you know, what do you guys do over the summer? Um, what kind of leagues are you then playing into the fall? And then talk a little bit about like your indoor uh, or winter winter yeah. options yeah so I, I think another definite topic uh for you guys would be the calendar um because that's something that i've sure. always been um a proponent of looking at changing the calendar more to a summer calendar 
um, and maybe we start a little bit later in the spring season and go throughout the summer, you know, into September, uh, early October, so that we have a longer a longer season, maybe having a couple of weeks break around July 4th week. Um, because I just think, you know, this past spring season has been a typical example of a stop-start season where we're faced with so many cancellations, um, not only training, but also weekend games as well. And um, I think it's frustrating for everybody. I think it's frustrating for the coaches, for the players, and then also, you know, our ultimate customers who are the the parents. So that would be my preferred calendar, Um, but it is what it is, and we, we deal with it. So, for example, this spring season, we've actually extended our season. So we'll go into the middle of July. Um, a number of our teams will be going over to um, Cedar Falls to the uh, Moonlight Classic tournament. And then that will round off our, our season. So we're going a little bit later than we are. Um, and I think it's been good because, you know, as I said, of our cancellations this, this spring season. And then the full season, we've started to, to start a little bit earlier. So we'll start about the first, second week in August. And then we'll go through until about the end of November. Um, a lot of our teams are 12s and older. We'll go down to Kansas City, uh, finish off the season, kind of down there for an outdoor, outdoor season. Um, our older, a couple of our older teams will do a college showcase tournament down in Kansas um, towards the middle of November. But again, you know, I mean, it's, you're open to the elements and I, I don't think it's fun for anybody to be outdoors in you know, middle of November and 30 degree temperatures and, and trying to, trying to coach soccer. I tell that to the people that live way up North, Gary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, uh, that's good. What, what do you guys do in the winter? Uh, where do you guys train at? So in the winter, uh, November and December, we run a, what we call a, a, a foot source called our fast feet league. And so we have about a hundred, about, about 350 players that play in that league. Um, it's a 5v5. Um, we've typically done it at the Ames Middle Schools. Um, and this year, actually, we're going to move, uh, or next year, we'll move to Sports Iowa. Um, and then with that trend. That, that's the, just so everybody knows, that's the, like, the indoor turf facility there, just, just west of town for you yeah, guys. Yeah, that's correct. So Sports Iowa, we use that in January through March. We have a winter training program. And that's for individuals to sign up uh, to participate either within our club or we have some players from outside of outside of the club that come in and, and participate as well. So really and that's Garrett, sorry to interrupt. That's, I mean, on that note, uh, that's the best facility indoor wise around Des Moines. I think, don't you, would you agree to that? Uh, it currently it is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Correct. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So, um, um, but no, I, I think, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the things about us as well is, is we really do try to cater our program for the individual. So we even have players that play in our U11, you know, our U11 through U14 age groups that um, only play one season. So we have some players, for example, with the boys is they want to try football. And so they'll do football in the fall season and then they'll just play soccer with us in the in the spring season. And uh, we have it vice versa. We have some players that play in the full season soccer and then they'll play baseball in the in the spring season. So we do cater for individuals that, that don't want to play year round. Um, we'd like them to, but we certainly don't force them and understand that, you know, they want to play other sports as well. Awesome. Uh, I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to explain all, or talk about all that because a lot of it was stuff I didn't know about your guys club. It's cool. 
Um, this is where this is the part of the conversation where uh, hard hitting Blake comes in with some some questions for you. Okay. Um, are you are you ready, Gary? I am ready. I, 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 I can always say no comment as well. So <laughs> very true. Complete the best. Uh, so one of the uh, one of the things that's going on in Des Moines over the last few years, a lot of the clubs, even in actually the whole state of Iowa, a lot of the clubs are merging or affiliating with other other soccer groups. I think it's a good way to put it. So, you know, just you guys, um, I think maybe have kind of stayed away from that voluntarily, involuntarily. I'm not quite sure, but just give us your thoughts on just the landscape of soccer in Iowa. Um, Central Iowa, Central Iowa, just the mergers and the affiliations and how that um, how that's all going. Yeah. So when I first came here uh, 27 years ago, there was basically three competitive clubs in the Des Moines metro area. So it was Iowa United, West Des Moines and then Urbandale. And so certainly since that those early years um, is transitioned into many, many clubs kind of sprouting up. And clubs that were feeding into those three clubs then started their own select competitive programs, which I think is a good thing. Um, I think, you know, uh, parents need to have choices. And uh, certainly that helped with that. As far as the mergers, um, I understand why why people do it. Um, Because I think if you want to compete on a regional level, if you want to compete on a national level, then certainly... You know, we're not in a high population state. And so I understand how you need to do that to get the better players on the same team. But my question is, is that is good for the top 0.5%, however many you want to call it. But sure. what, what happens to the remaining percentage when maybe that's not the best thing for them? So I, I, I often question if we're, we're doing the right thing for everyone or are we doing it just for the top of the, the pyramid? And I, and I would go along that, you know, that's always been a question for me is the decisions that the United States soccer federation make as well is, you know, for example, the birth year change was great for the elite players, youth club players, but I really feel that impacted negatively your average grassroots soccer player who wants to just play with their friends. Yeah. So you have probably an interesting perspective on that. I, I, I really appreciate your, your thoughts on that. Cause it makes, makes a lot of sense. And I would tend to agree with you. Um, but my understanding is you've got a, a son who's an, an elite athlete. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, so my son, Ben is a freshman or he just finished his freshman year at the university of Minnesota. And he's on the men's gymnastics team there. So I, I just wonder how uh, his development over the years, and, and obviously it's an individual sport and it's, uh, you know, very specialized, but, you know, when you make those comments about just kind of how, um, you know, it's what's good for the whole group isn't necessarily good for one and same, same being like what's good for the one elite player isn't always good for the rest of the group. Um, how much of like that experience has informed your decision or your thought process, I guess, not your decision, but your thought process. Yeah. So, so my son, he started off at Chow's gymnastics, which I think is pretty famous um, as far as uh, Sean Johnson and Gabby Douglas. And they did, they do have a small boys program. It's nowhere near compared to the girls program there. And so he was involved with Chow's for probably about four or five years, uh, at least five years. 
And then we got up into his high school years and, you know, he really wanted to compete in college. And so we did have a conversation with, with Chow, who, who runs and oversees the program there. And he was very honest and said, you know, his uh, main resource uh, income is through the girls program. And at that time, he didn't have any plans whatsoever to develop the boys program to the point where Ben would get recognized by college, college coaches. Um, that just wasn't the way he was going. And, and we appreciated his honesty. And so, you know, we made the decision. It was a tough decision, but we left there to go to triad in Ankeny um, that had a coach that was very invested in trying to get, you know, the, the boys into college and had those connections with college coaches. And so we made that, you know, decision to do it. So, you know, I, I understand from that perspective. Now, you know, could Ben have stayed at Chow's and would he still have got a college scholarship? Who knows? Um, but we felt at the time that that was the, the best avenue for him to, to get him to that next level. Fair enough. Just an interesting, interesting perspective for sure that you've got. Um, I'll let Blake hit you with the next question now. Okay. So uh, the Des Moines Menace seizing operations of their youth club have – have obviously made waves around the community soccer community here in Des Moines. And, you know, you start hearing it's uh, maybe a little bigger. You start hearing stuff from the Eastern side as well as the state. So Gary, uh, just give us your thoughts on, on the organization, you know, um, ending their youth side and how, what, and if any impact that'll have um, spread throughout Des Moines, you guys elsewhere. Yeah, so um, I have some interesting thoughts on that because uh, many, many years ago, um, and this was when I think it was the, the time that Al Driscoll took over as head coach, and we were having discussions, meetings with. Was this before he was player coach, or which which part? <laughs> uh, I, th- I feel like that was part of the deal. He was coaching, then, but, but he was player coach first, wasn't he? I, you know, I. I just remember that Al was, was part of it. And that was one of the, the, the time period that I could, I could remember. Um, but we had a meeting and there was many of the, the DOCs, kind of the head coaches within the various clubs. And a lot of the discussion then was, you know, trying to create a program, a club, an organization for the oldest age group. So I think at the time we were talking maybe the, the 17s and 18s, certainly it might have involved the 16s, but where, you know, the better players from in the Des Moines metro area could play on the same team. And uh, we all felt, and I certainly felt as well, that the Des Moines menace was very, very well placed to do that because, you know, they obviously had the men's program. And then, I, th- you know, I think everybody felt it would be a great feeder program uh, into their men's program, it would give a pathway to those those players, and for for different reasons, you know, it, it, I think the understanding was that you know the menace just did not need to be involved in the younger age groups, um, because then obviously if that happens, then they become a rival club, and so why would a rival club want to, you know, basically encourage their better players to go and play with that rival club at the the 17s and 18s. And I really think if at that time that the menace had said, yes, we would create a program that was, you know, initially for 17s and 18s, and it would be a feeder program up through to the men's program, that that would have been a great avenue and it, it would have worked and it just didn't. And so now I think they're, you know, many, many years later, 
maybe they're understanding the resentment from other clubs in the area that, you know, they don't necessarily support the club because they are a rival club. So why would we encourage people to be part of the menace, even if that's a small thing like attending their their men's game? Um, because we see them as, you know, stealing players away or doing things that maybe, you know, they, they, uh, they are negative. Oh, I think that's, uh, I, I'm sure you're not the only person that has that opinion. That's, but that's a uh, very well said. Um, let's talk tryouts now. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about the way you guys did things was a little bit different. Um, but we still want to just give you an opportunity to, uh, you know, plug it, tell tell us, you know, where can people find out their information, you know, give us the website, any social media, um, and, you know, talk about what it takes to register for, for tryouts. Yeah. So um, our tryouts, uh, they, you can find information on our website, which is aimsoccer.org. Um, our U11s, they will try out June 3rd and June 5th. And then our high school age groups, the 15s through 19s, uh, they try out on June 10th and June 12th. And so our, actually our deadline for the early bird special, $25, uh, ends today at midnight. And then the um, $5, uh, $30 price starts tomorrow. And we may have to put a little uh, caveat on that, Gary, just because uh... – Today's, just for those listeners, today's the 24th Friday, and this may, um, I think as our listeners will hopefully listen, it will, unfortunately, will be um, published the week of Memorial Day or the week after, so. Okay, uh, can, can I just maybe have them contact uh, Blake, and then he can just <laughs> refund them $5 for the late day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Is that okay? I'm sure we, that we, we can just give that his phone number. That happen. <laughs> um, so uh, with the trials and stuff, uh, talk about like roster size. I know a lot of times that can be a, just something that parents and players want to understand. You know, uh, where do you stand on that? Do you like to have a large roster, a small roster? Are you in several competitions, so you need a large roster? You know, talk about that. Yeah, so at the younger age groups, um, ideally we try to keep it to a roster size of 11 or 12. Um, we, we feel that, you know, that helps with um, playing time. Anything more than 12 players. Uh, then I think it becomes problematic as far as getting players in and getting meaningful playing time with those 30-minute halves. Um, we found at the older age groups that it helps to have larger rosters. Um, I, I think it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's problematic in that you have a large roster and everybody is showing up for everything and then you've got problems in managing playing time. And then other years, when you decide to go with a smaller roster, give everybody playing play, play time, then you're dealing with constant conflicts, absences, injuries, so forth. And then you're scrambling um, for players for games. I think the, the, the nice thing is, though, that we have flexibility in the rosters. So we do utilize a lot of guest players from within our club, guest playing on other teams. Um, and so that's good. I think it's a win-win situation because – players get more playing time so so definitely that helps perfect um costs are kind of like the last hot button um we just you know tell us a little about you know you mentioned what tryouts cost but what is uh what are the costs for the club and what do they get you throughout the year yep so the way we do it is we break it down per season um as i said uh particularly with the 11s through 14s if they only want to play one season 
then we allow them to do that so they're not playing for the whole year. So for our 11s through 14s, it is around about $425 uh, for each season. And for our uh, 15s through 19s, um, it's just over $450 for the season. That 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 is basically our club fees. So that includes all the coaching fees, league fees, um, as, as far as associated with um, referees, player cards, rosters, and things like that. Um, then we also have team fees, um, and those fees are related to tournament costs. And so those would be the registration fees and then the coaches' expenses. Um, and so this year, actually, we are going to be rolling that into kind of our registration, our club club fees. Um, previously, we've had team coordinators that have collected those team fees, and it just it, it became very challenging for them um, because you invariably you always get the one or two parents that are slow in paying, and it's uh, you know a bit of a pain to to keep knocking on the door and asking for payment. So we're going to do everything through Stack Sports now, which should uh, smooth the process. Very cool. Um, sounds like you guys are in a good place. Uh, one thing that I just wanted, you know, unless there's something else you'd like to talk about, one thing I wanted to talk about that you guys do, I think is super cool. Um, and maybe it's just you, I don't know if it's the club or what, but, the, your participation in special Olympics soccer program, uh, up there in Ames is, I think it's super cool. The state tournament that, that was that just yesterday. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good day weather-wise yesterday. So that was good. Yeah. Um, I think that's really cool that you guys do that. Is that something that is through the club? Um, so my daughter actually is, um, has special needs. Um, she, uh, was born with a neurological disorder. And so, uh, we've been kind of familiar with, um, spe- uh, with special Olympics. And when I was down in Urbandale, um, even living in Urbandale, I started to volunteer, um, to, to referee at the games. I knew, uh, the person that kind of ran, ran the, the soccer event. And then once I moved up to Ames, I kind of took on the role of providing the, the referees. And so previously we've had Shedzi and some of the JUSC coaches um, have come up and they volunteered. And then also we volunteer, you know, within coaches within our club as well. And it, it really is, I, I mean, it's a, a, an amazing experience to, to, to be part of um, where you just see, you know, these people of different uh, abilities, physical, mental, and uh, they're playing the, the game of soccer um, at different playing levels. I mean, you, you see some wonderful things and hear some wonderful things going on. Um, but I think it's just great that, you know, again, the, the game of soccer is out there for anyone to play. I mean, it is very inclusive. Yeah, it's uh, the whole Special Olympic soccer program is awesome. I've uh, participated as a coach for the past few years and wasn't able to this spring and hoping to get back to it. But I've seen you up there a few times and I just know that's one of like, that's one of my favorite days of the year. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it really, you know, especially when the weather's nice, that's, that's even better, but you see, <laughs> you know, what amazes me is you see so many of these um, athletes that participate and they remember you and they'll come up yep. and, they, and they talk to you just like, you know, they were hanging out with you last week. I mean, and they just have that kind of affinity and they're just very, very friendly and very outgoing. Um, I think it just gives you a whole different perspective on life. Shows what soccer does, right? Soccer is a cool game. And- yeah. 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 And I'm, I think, I'm, you know, I've gotten the- like hugs in the grocery store before from <laughs> players. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, I think that's something, you know, we, we should, uh, we should connect on that outside of this. Cause I think it'd be fun to figure out some, uh, 
some ways to, I, you know, something that, that some of the players that I used to coach, I would kind of force them to come and help me. Um, and they loved it. They thought it was so fun and they, they got a lot out of it just as a coach, you know, so let alone for the players that they're helping with. So, um, Maybe yeah, that's something to chat offline about. Yeah, and and I think as well, you know, because I I know the guy that 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 runs it, this, the the head um, head of the event. And one of the sad things though is that each year it seems that the kids' age group is either stagnant or declining in numbers. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's important that you know whoever it is needs to start getting into the areas and really promoting soccer with the younger kids. Because they're going to be the you know the adults that that continue playing that are playing right now, and some of those people, I mean, you know, the adults that play. I mean, there's people that are playing that are in their fifties, sixties. I mean, yeah. even older than me that are <laughs> that are playing, and they're going to age out at some point. So you want to make sure that that's coming through, and there's good participation again through through the soccer event. Yeah, totally. Anyway, kudos to you. I think that's really cool. Um, and did not know that uh, you're, you know, you kind of got there through your daughter, but uh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. So, um, well, anyway, Gary, thanks a lot for your time today. If there's anything else you want to plug real quick for Ames, go for it. But uh, otherwise, we really appreciate it. No, no, I think you know we we're we're trying to do a lot of things in the in the club. Um, we have the Techni Football app uh, that I know the ODP program. Um, our club is invested in that, and we make that free for all of our players within the club to use. And then also we've just um, signed on with soccerparenting.com, which is uh, definitely a a very useful resource for us. And I think also, which I know would be another great topic for you guys, is uh, parents. And the one word that I'm using is getting away from using parent education and is parent collaboration. I think is a much better phrase. And so that's something that we're, you know, turning our attention to and focus um, in the next year or so is really starting to develop those relationships. Great. Uh, again, really appreciate your insight today and you taking the time, Gary. Thanks, Thanks. Gary. Thanks, guys. As I always say after an interview, I loved that. That was great. I enjoyed it. Maybe I don't say it exactly that way, but it's always it's always basically the same thing, isn't it, Blake? It is, Ben. For this tryout series that we just released, you're going to say that exactly the same way all five times, which I find super interesting. It's mind-blowing almost. Uh, but yes, thank you um, again for listening, and uh, thank you to all of our generous contributors. Um, again, we're, we're going to record this once as opposed to uh, five different times. Um, but again, thanks to the Ames Soccer Club and Gary Isles. Thanks to GPS Iowa and Andy Cummings. Thanks to Kirk Artist and the Iowa Rush. Thanks to Hemi Leva and the United Football Academy. Jaime Leva, sorry. I got a little going a little quicker than I meant to there. And of course, Chris McGill at the Vision Soccer Academy. Uh, we really appreciate their time. Again, super generous, super gracious. Um, and a lot of great info, right? Absolutely, Ben. I agree. Again, as we've talked you know, hopefully these clubs will, uh, the, their membership will appreciate these guys, you know, spending a few minutes of their time, get on promoting who they are, what they're doing, and, you know, continue to move uh, soccer forward here, here in Des Moines. Indeed. Uh, we should just give a quick shout for uh, social media. If you guys want to follow us, we are at Kick 
underscore forward on Twitter, and then on Facebook, we're at kickitforwardia. Um, and then, of course, we can't forget to thank our sponsors. They're the best. Um, I'm going to thank Bill Scott this time because I don't get to thank him enough. Billy Scott at Scott Insurances, at Scott Insurance Services, thank you so much for all your support. Uh, Bill is a uh, Iowa soccer legend himself, and we hope to have him on soon. Uh, but if you've got insurance needs, Billy's your guy. You know, same kind of uh, route there, Ben. Michael Keener, attorney at law. If you have any kind of legal issue, Michael's a, a great friend of ours, been a supporter at Kick It Forward for many years, and can help you out with anything you need. Um, and then as well, for the listeners, if you guys have any feedback, any comments, questions, you know, slide into our DMs. We've been, uh, it's interesting, Ben, as our audience continues to grow, we have been getting a few more, uh, more comments and a lot of feedback. Inter- interestingly enough. I don't think anybody could ever slide into our DMs too often, could they? They could, Ben. So we uh, we appreciate you guys all listening. And again, if you anything else, you know where to find us. We will talk to you next time. Thank you. <laughs>